Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night to ask him some questions. <coughs> We've heard this story probably many, many, many times as we've grown up in church. I think most of us here would be able to say that. Um, we, we know that Nicodemus, he was a teacher, he was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night asking him by what authority he does these signs. And Jesus, he comes with a, a, a strange answer. It ought to come. It sounds strange to Nicodemus, and, and if, if it wasn't for the fact that we have grown up in church hearing this story all the time, it would sound strange to us too. And imagine someone saying, you have to be born again. If you'd never had any experience with the Bible, if you've never heard the, the Gospel before, if all you had maybe was the Old Testament like Nicodemus, and you heard, you must be born again, what would you think? Probably similar to what Nicodemus said. Do I, do I need to go back into my mother and be born again? I mean, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is crazy. But Jesus insists you must be born again. Let's read our Scripture this morning. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And, Mo and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken to us. 
Lord, that you um, have not left us groping in darkness, trying to figure you out, trying to figure life out. But Lord, you have revealed yourself to us in Jesus, and you have revealed yourself to us in your word. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, we thank you for um, for the fact that you are here with us. Whether we feel you or not, we know that you are everywhere and, and you are here with your people when we gather. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And Lord Jesus... Or you may have said that in the context of discipline, but Lord, I believe it's true in every case. Lord, where, where we gather in your name to worship you, Lord, you are with us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, as we sing to you and as we hear your word, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would help us to acknowledge that you're here. Lord, to... to for our hearts to be humbled and to, to submit to your will. Father, be with me. I am weak. I'm frail. And the power to affect the new birth is not something that comes from a human being, but only by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would empower me with your spirit as I preach today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> as we said, this man, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus at night. And he was a Pharisee. What, what was a Pharisee? A Pharisee, as we know, there were different groups of Jews at the time. There were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, there were Zealots, there were Herodians. There were all these different political groups that had, had their differences within Judaism. Just like today, you know, we have Christians of all different various stripes. We have Baptists, we have Presbyterians, we have uh, Assembly of God. We have all these different strains of Christianity all worshiping the same God all embracing the same gospel, but we have our differences. And the Jewish people of the day, that was nothing new today. That's something that, was about, that happened among God's people back then too. They had some uh, who, the, the Sadducees, they, um, they did not believe in anything besides just the first five books. The, the Pentateuch, they, and they did not accept the, the idea of an afterlife. They believed that what was... Um, what we, this whole life was all about was living a good life in obedience and God would bless you. And the Pharisees, on the other hand, they accepted all of the Old Testament. They accepted the, um, the uh, Pentateuch. They accepted the prophets and the wisdom literature. They expect, accepted all of those things. And... and uh, they accepted the fact that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. There will be a life after this one. And honestly, probably the reason why we see Jesus having so many conflicts with the Pharisees is because 
they had the most in common with Jesus. It, it probably wouldn't have been so necessary for Jesus to, to distinguish himself as different from the Sadducees who didn't believe in a resurrection. But the Pharisees, they had so much in common. They accepted the whole Old Testament just like Jesus. That we see these conflicts over and over and over again with Jesus. He had to distinguish himself from what they were. So this Pharisee came to Jesus, and, and he wasn't just any Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. We know from later on in the book of John, Jesus, uh, we, Nicodemus was a, uh, a part of the Sanhedrin, probably a part of the, the Jewish Supreme Court, that, that very group that Jesus had trial before. Nicodemus was an important Pharisee. He was a ruler. And this man came to Jesus by night. Why did, Je why did Nicodemus come by night? Why didn't he just come at any other time? Well, there's various reasons why that could be. Jesus was very busy during the day. He was healing the sick. He was, he was raising the dead. He was doing all kinds of miracles, doing all kinds of signs. And maybe Jesus was just so busy, Nicodemus had to wait until it was late at night to come and see him. Or maybe he was um, coming by cover of darkness in some kind of deceptive plan. Or maybe he was afraid of what the other Sanhedrin would think, of what the other Pharisees would think. And he came to Jesus by night so that he, no one would know that he was coming to see Jesus. We see in the book of John, there is this play between darkness and light. We see that Jesus was the light of the world that came into the darkness Yet the, that men loved darkness more than light. And maybe what John is trying to get across by telling us Nicodemus came at night was to say that Nicodemus was still in darkness when he came. <coughs> Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus comes complimenting Jesus. He calls Jesus rabbi. Jesus didn't have any rabbinical training. He was a carpenter's son. He was a blue collar guy. And yet, here he was teaching and doing these signs and Nicodemus came complimenting him. Saying, rabbi. He calls him a teacher. He says, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. He's speaking positively about Jesus. He's saying, we know you must have come from God. Yet we need to back up a little bit. Before chapter 3, we see, starting in verse 23 of chapter 2, it says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in all people. 
He needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And here, the very next verses, Nicodemus says, we know you're from God because we've seen the signs, just like all those other people. They'd seen the signs. Nicodemus had seen the signs. And they said, we know you come from God. But what about these other people before chapter 3? It says, Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew what was in man. He knew their hearts. He knew they hadn't experienced the new birth yet. He knew they were still wicked. They may have saw the signs, but they hadn't been changed. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Basically, I think what we see here is Nicodemus was saying, we know that you're come from God because we've seen these signs and Jesus sees right through it. Jesus sees right through it. He sees into Nicodemus and the Sanhedrin's hearts. He, he says, you don't really know that I'm from God. You don't really believe that. Because it has to be revealed from heaven. It has to be revealed by God. It has to, you have to experience the new birth to be able to know who I really am. That's what Jesus says. You know, there are many people who give signs that they have trusted in Christ. Many people who profess to follow Jesus, but they may have never experienced the new birth. They've never been born again. I've heard all of my life preachers talk about how churches are filled with people who are unregenerate. And basically what that means is they've never really been born again. They may have walked an aisle. They may have prayed a prayer. They may have felt some kind of emotion whenever a preacher gave a, a compelling in, invitation, but they've never had their eyes open. They've never experienced the new birth. Jesus knows the difference. Whenever he says to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's telling Nicodemus, you may see the signs, but you don't see the kingdom. Nicodemus doesn't understand. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter again into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's only seeing this from the natural perspective. He only sees things from what human beings can, can see with our eyes. But he doesn't see the kingdom. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The new birth is not something that's physical. 
It's not something that's natural. It is supernatural. It is something that only the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. It's not something that we can contrive by our own imaginations or our own compelling invitations. It can only be wrought of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. There is this statement Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Born of water and the Spirit. What is Jesus getting at there? Well, I think what I've heard all my life, and, and really what I came to this text thinking about was the fact that you know you have to be born physically, and that, that presents the, the water, and then you have to also be born spiritually. Of the Spirit. You're born of, of water, physically, and of the Spirit, spiritually. You have to have an, a second birth, a new birth where your eyes are open. You see the world in a different way. You no longer love your sin, but you hate your sin. You see everything differently. Um, I, that, that is really compelling to me. I think um, if you look at commentaries, if you look to see what other people have said, other people kind of push back against that and say, he's probably not talking about physical birth and spiritual birth. He's saying you have to be born of water and the Spirit to be saved, to be able to see the kingdom. And uh, the explanation for this comes back to an Old Testament text that Caleb read for us. What is... That text in Ezekiel say, it says, God will come and He'll sprinkle clean water on His people. He'll sprinkle clean water on them. He'll take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And I think maybe what Jesus was pointing back to was that kind of experience. This new becoming a new person. And this water and the, and, the, and the flesh, water and the Spirit points back to what the Spirit does in regeneration, in, in giving a person a new heart, pointing back to the language we see in Ezekiel chapter 36. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? See, Jesus expected... Nicodemus to understand what he was talking about. He was a teacher of Israel. He knew the Scriptures. There must have been something from the Old Testament that could give Nicodemus a clue to what, the, what Jesus was talking about. Well, the, the Old Testament doesn't talk about a new birth, but it does talk about regeneration. It does talk about this same concept except in that, in that spot in Ezekiel where Caleb bread from. I'll sprinkle clean water on you. Cleanse you from your sins. I'll give you a new heart. Take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's the new birth. We're a new creature. We're made new. The old has passed. The new has come. Jesus said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
The word for wind and the word for spirit in both the Old and the New Testament are the same word. In uh, Hebrew, it's the word ruach. It means spirit and it means wind. It can mean both things. And in Greek, it, it's pneuma, panuma, and uh, it means the same thing. Uh, wind or the Spirit. It means the same thing. So when Jesus here is saying, the wind blows where it wishes, so it is with the Spirit, He's using the same word. The Spirit blows where He wishes. This is not something that human beings can do. This is not something that I can just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to get born again. No. No. It's the work of God in a believer's life. It's the work of God. When we hear God's Word proclaimed, when we hear the Gospel, God does a work inside our hearts and changes He puts a new heart in. He opens our eyes. We see the world in a different way than we did before. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus is talking about what He knows about. He knows what He's talking about. The next verse says, if I, um, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus actually was that Word of God from chapter 1. The Word of God who was with God in the beginning, who was God, who was with God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. He was that One who revealed His glory whenever He changed the water into wine. He was that one. He was the Son of God. He was the one who came down and He knew what He was talking about. Yet, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you, and this was a plural you, I think He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and He says, you do not believe our testimony. You don't receive our testimony. I think he goes back to what Jesus said in the last passage. They were saying, we, we've seen your signs, Jesus. We've seen your signs. We know who you're from. But Jesus saw through it. He knows our hearts. He knows what's real. Jesus then changes his metaphor. He stops talking about the new birth and he begins to talk about this story from the Old Testament about how Moses lifted up a servant, serpent in the wilderness. You see, in uh, Numbers chapter 21, as the people of Israel had been uh, delivered from the land of Egypt in God's saving power, you know, he sent plagues upon Egypt and he delivered his people from slavery. He saved them, he redeemed them. And yet, right after they're redeemed from slavery, they're taken out of Egypt, the people are grumbling and saying, Oh, Moses, why did you lead us out here into the wilderness? 
Why did you couldn't it would be much better off in Egypt where we'd had plenty of food, we had you know leeks and and we just we, we, we didn't have to eat this manna all the time. And because of the people's grumbling, God sent snakes among the people. And they were venomous snakes, they were biting different they were biting people. And thousands and thousands of people were dying. And Moses interceded to God and he asked, God, please don't kill your people for your own namesake, for your own glory. Don't kill your people. And God tells Moses to make this bronze snake, put it on a pole and lift it high in the air. And whoever looks upon that bronze snake will be saved. And Jesus here, he, he points back to the story and says, just as Moses had to lift up that bronze snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I keep saying the new birth is not something you can do. It's what God does. It's not something you can do. It's what God does. But how do we receive that? How do we, how do we receive that? We look to Jesus. We look to what He did. We look to what He did in coming down, living a sinless life, dying our death, and being raised again. That is the Gospel. We were sinners. We were sinking in our sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard our despairing cry and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. He says, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You don't have to do anything. You just look to Him. You have faith in Him. It's not about cleaning ourselves up, turning over a new leaf, and living out of our own effort and strife. It's just looking to Him. He is glorious. He is great. He is the God of the universe. And He humbled Himself and became a human being and suffered death on a cross. And we just look to Him. And then God works that new birth in our heart. He changes us from the inside out. We don't have to earn it. He just does it. He gives it to us. It's a gift. George Whitfield, not my father-in-law, that's his name too, but the famous preacher from uh, 1700s, a friend of Benjamin Franklin, one time a woman came to him and, and asked him, why do you preach this all the time? You must be born again. You must be born again. He was, a, he was an itinerant preacher. You know, he, didn't have a past, he wasn't a pastor where he was in one place all the time. But he was an itinerant preacher. He was going from place to place. And a lot of times he just preached the same sermon everywhere he would go. And this woman asked him, why do you keep preaching this? You must be born again. You must be born again. And George Whitfield looked at her and said, because you must be born again. Jesus said it. We can't do it ourselves. It's the work of God in our hearts. So, the question when we come to this text, and most of us have grown up in church. Most of us, I wouldn't have any doubt 
about. But the question that this text asks us is, have you been born again? Have you just seen the signs and acknowledged in your head that Jesus is from God? Or have you really been changed? The new birth is a, it's a, 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 an instantaneous act where God, one moment you are lost and headed for hell, and the next moment God puts a new life in you, He changes your heart, He opens your eyes, and you're a new person. It happens as an instantaneous act. And sometimes, it's hard to tell when that was. For adults who, who may have, have lived a life of, of debauchery, of sin, sometimes we, we, we know when that is. Because they may have lived this certain way and, and then they hear the Gospel, they believe, and they, they change, and it's really obvious. But what about children? Who, who never really walked that way, who, who heard the Gospel as they grew up, for them it's also an instantaneous act. An instantaneous act of God where, where God comes and does something in their hearts, but it's hard to identify when it happened sometimes. I shared a few weeks ago, Josh, we believe it's happened with him. To, to, to our talking with him, we believe, I can't point to a day whenever he, he prayed and said, God save me. But, but you know what? Something happened in Josh. And he started to ask us how he could be saved. And we, we told him, you know, you know you're a sinner and you need to ask Jesus to save you. And he, he would do that. He would pray and ask Jesus to save him. Like every time he, we'd put him to bed and we'd pray, give, give, he was just and, and finally he was like, I just don't feel like I'm saved. I keep praying this, but, but when do I know that I'm really saved? And we had our discussion with him. I, I trust that he is trusting in Jesus. He has experienced the new birth. I think I've shared, I hope to baptize him soon. Because uh, he, 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 he keeps wondering, you know, if I'm saved, why can't I be baptized yet? We, we understand logistics. We'll wait until uh, the pipes won't freeze or anything like that. But, you know, he's experienced the new birth. So far as I can understand, he, it looks like he's giving the signs that he's experienced the new birth. And maybe that's your case. You grew up in church. You can't really point to a, a, a certain point. But you know, I'm different than I would have been. If, if God hadn't opened my eyes, I would have lived a completely different life than I did. God is so gracious that He opened up my eyes. You know, I've heard one seminary president's wife say, God saved me from a life of drugs, sex, and prostitution. And he did it when I was six years old. <laughs> because that's the life that she would have lived had it not been for God's saving her at that young age. When I talk about the new birth, it is a work of God. It's an instantaneous act. You change the way you see. Actually, God changes the way you see the world. It's obvious for some of us, it's not so obvious for others. Like Paul on the road to Damascus, it was obvious for him. It may not be obvious for some of our children. But 
question remains, have you been born again? And the answer, if you haven't, is look to Jesus. Just as the serpent was lifted up on a pole and the people of Israel looked to, G- to the, the serpent and they were saved, Jesus was lifted up. Physically lifted up on a cross and humiliated, but yet at the same time, He was exalted. Because whenever He was lifted up on that cross, He was accomplishing, it was the culmination, it was the climax of everything that God the Father sent him here on earth to do. He was exalted, and we just look to him. If you're looking at yourself, you're looking in the wrong place. Looking at yourself thinking, well, I need to do this and I need to do that to try to clean myself up. You're you're doing it wrong. You look to Jesus, and he changes us from the inside Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.